Hey, everybody, before we start the show, I want to remind you that before you do anything, you should go to dopamine.life and sign up for our free Myers-Briggs audio tour. Once you sign up for that, you will start getting some emails that have podcast-style explanations of what Myers-Briggs is and sharing how it has been a game-changer for me. So go to dopamine.life and sign up for our free Myers-Briggs audio tour. Hey, everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like monkeys throwing poop funny until it hits you. Today on the show, I want to talk about some personal expressions, revelations, some admissions about chronic manipulation. Um, the challenge that I had experienced all of my life. And uh, there were some, some reasons for it that I think I want to try to break down with you. Uh, some stuff that I've had recent conversations with Molly about that has been very helpful to be honest and revealing about to quell any concerns and all of that. So we're going to do it. We're going to talk about this here on Dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. All right, let's go. Drums, Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I hope you're okay. Thanks for being here really great so happy you listen to the show welcome back how's life i'm i'm doing okay i'm actually in a pretty good pretty good state today i'm, I'm a little bit low energy wise but uh i'm not feeling like the pressure of anything i've got a lot of work to do but um it'll be fine when i start recording the podcast it's like totally relaxed time and we're just going to talk and figure it out i've been thinking about a lot of varying concepts these days and one that's come up for me that has been starting to come out in relation to a lot of the growth that Molly has been doing is checking in with some of the sort of crystallized rigid parts of myself that don't feel very good and is a little upsetting that I'm not as open as I would like to be in with certain circumstances. There are specifics I'm probably not going to talk about in relation to that because it's very private and I want to respect that. But there are challenges that I'm facing with how I'm reacting to those things. And I'm realizing that I'm reacting to those things because they are opening up personal wounds around the idea of being a manipulator in my past. I realize this is fun with like the, the light music in the background. I'm talking about serious stuff. It's great. <laughs> um, uh, so what am I getting at? Um, yeah. So there, there have been with relationships, relationships have always been a challenge for me. Relationships have been hard, not only because I'm an INTP, which is pretty typical for an INTP to have trouble with relationships, but generally speaking, I've had, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, 
I mean, I feel, I feel more confident and attractive now, but I didn't really feel like that when I was a kid and I was very personally judgmental and I, um, was kind of quiet and awkward and, um, didn't feel very good about myself. There was a lot of, uh, domestic challenges at home. Um, and there were some controlling issues that I think I gained, uh, subconsciously from my environment and my experience. And I definitely will admit that I sought out attention from women for a sense of personal value. So, I want you to stick with me on this episode because I realize that I'm probably going to have to provide a little bit more of a disclaimer than uh, other episodes, only because I want you to know that this is all mid-process thoughts. I'm sharing the stuff that I'm working through. This is sort of, most of the time I'm giving you guys advice for things that you could do. This episode is more of a therapy session for me and talking through these concepts and ideas and what I've experienced and sort of revealing and unlocking things in myself that maybe are linked to bigger things in culture, um, maybe linked to aspects of my maleness, uh, and probably linked to how I was raised or, you know, perceived, uh, my own self-worth or the worth of others. So there's going to be there might be some things that'll make you uncomfortable. It's not going to be anything that's like trigger warning in terms of like anything that's like graphic so much as it's stuff that is that I'm not proud of essentially and um, doesn't feel very good, which is why it's sort of like crystallized into me as part of my own impersonal, personal internal code uh, as something that I just don't even want to touch. You know, it's like, it's like a bundle of wires that's deep in me that, you know, it's like protected and shielded and I don't want to touch it. And the way that I, that I deal with that, or I've dealt with that is, um, I've, I've sort of, um, I feel like I've just kind of like hold away that side of me instead of taming it. Right. I think most of the time lately I've been doing a lot of work around trying to embrace and flow with and, very yes and and more and expansiveness and growth and open-mindedness and all of that and there are aspects of relationships and connectedness that are very rigid because of the way that I behaved when I was younger so I guess I'll start with from the beginning um so when I was a kid and uh, I'm an Enneagram 5 sexual subtype by the way so maybe that will help you track along if you know that if you know stuff about that if you don't, I'll explain it as I go along. Um, so when I was a kid, I remember watching movies. Like I watched a lot of romantic comedies when I was a kid, like, like prepubescent. Uh, I was, um, obviously like pervy and dealing with like, you know, going through puberty and all of that stuff. But for me, there was a very intimate romantic element of it. Um, not the pervy stuff specifically, but, uh, that I always felt like I wanted, a, uh, a holistic bond with someone and, uh, some connection one-to-one that had this, like, there was this ideal picture of someone in my mind. And I felt like basically all throughout my life, I was trying to manipulate situations to try to get that. 
either get that out of the person that I was with, or if I was with someone and I felt an away from energy and I was attracted to or attracted by um, or, or attracted, attractive to someone and had an away from energy from the person I was with or that person didn't fit the sort of picture of that idealism that I was very likely to, you know, to cheat on that person. Um, and I didn't feel bad about that at the time. I didn't feel bad because I just felt like I would just do what I wanted to do. There was a lot of mixed emotions that I felt around, uh, not caring about myself and consequences, but also there was an aspect of me that really thrived. And I would say even got off on risk-taking risk-taking in the sense of, um, almost getting caught by like my partner or getting caught by, you know, I don't know, my parents doing something in a place I shouldn't be doing or something or by, uh, you know, out in public somewhere. Like there was a lot of freaky things that I tried to do out in public, uh, with people. And, um, I felt, I would feel very uncomfortable with the, um, with the notion of being stuck with someone that I didn't want to be with, that there was a very specific sort of guideline for the person I wanted to be with, but I didn't really know how to interpret that. And it involved a lot of trial and error, which I think a lot of people experience this, you know, feeling some sense of idealism for a partner. And that kind of lives in the, the Enneagram five sexual subtype aspect of me. Like that's a very, it's very specific to that type. And for me, you know, through Molly, through my partner and through my modern experience, I feel like I've achieved that. Um, but I also need to make sure that I'm not holding her to an impossible standard and making sure that I'm not manufacturing an excuse to go, you know, manipulate situations or people or someone that I feel like I couldn't quote unquote earn or connect with because I wasn't capable of being attractive. So I, I kind of jumped around a little bit. I'm going to backtrack. So when I was younger, you know, I, I had this idealism of someone I wanted to be with. And this idealism basically translated into the polar opposite perception of myself that I felt like because this idealism was so high that not only did I need to be the best version of myself that I could be, that I often felt like I needed to be more than myself. It was very self-defeating. It was very, you know, I, I bathed in insecurity. I didn't like the way that I looked or I didn't like who I was or the way that I thought or the, the fact that I'm not like a naturally emotionally nurturing person. I'm much more, I'm much better at that these days. But um, back in the day, not not so much the case um, when I was younger. I was just pretty straightforward, very factual. And um, the emotional side of me was was a, was a challenge to to share and connect with. So I felt that I had to use my natural strength of basically manipulating the situation to get someone to like me. Right. It's kind of like the version of like catfishing and getting to know someone without them really knowing 
you know, you could call it stalking. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> um, I wasn't following people or anything creepy like that so much as I observed people and I felt like I, um, like in, in school and like things where it was like acceptable to notice people. I didn't like follow people to like places I shouldn't have been or anything like that. But what I mean is that it usually took me time to get to know someone and then try to figure out how to make them like me based on what I learned about them. So I would kind of basically morph who I was a little bit to try to get someone to like me or to want to do things with me or whatever. Right. And I wasn't being honest about myself where I wasn't really presenting who I was to gain the attention from women that I desired. And, um, the attention that I desired, not, not the women I desired, but that's the case too. But, um, I'm trying to be choosy with my words, but I, I know that you guys are cool and, you know, following me here. Um, and if you have questions about like word choices and stuff like that, I, you can totally ask me and I would be open to clarifying. Um, cause it's, it's, this is a very emotionally vulnerable thing for me and it's really hard to find the right words. So I'm kind of taking it slower today too, while I do this. So this became something that was ever pervasive in my life in that I just was not used to getting attention from women. So I would have to manufacture it essentially. And when I ended up getting in relationships, because I did not generally get attention that when I did get attention from someone, I like it activated my brain like an addictive signal. And I had like basically no self-control at all. Like my impulse was to manipulate. And I think the manipulation was a desire for control, a, a desire for dominance, uh, intellectual dominance, because control in my case and manipulation is about intellectual dominance. And that's what I felt like I was doing when I was younger. Um, when I was younger, is like not even that young. Probably the last time I feel like I really did it was maybe like 23, 24, maybe. So like less than 10 years ago. And but this this bulk of time was mostly when I was a teenager until like my early 20s and getting into more and more situations in which I could exercise the risky behavior, because I think of its essence it was twofold. It was about being able to consciously manipulate someone and outsmart them. It was almost as if I could outsmart women and have them like me, or I felt like I was tricking someone into liking me. Right. Which like at the time I didn't feel like I was being disrespectful to them because I wasn't making them do something they didn't want to do so much as presenting and subtly and, and psychologically influencing, but it's very clear that it was not great <laughs> and not something that, uh, is, um, is a good, is a good, it was a good, not a good thing at all, uh, to do that. And there was a lack of respect for the people that I was with as a result of that. And, um, you know, it wasn't, these weren't relationships built on the merit of them genuinely liking me. And I think they did genuinely like me as a result of my efforts. Um, and maybe, you know, some of it before, but I think I had 
because I felt like I had too much of an influence on the situation, whether or not that's actually true. Uh, it had major effects on my own self-worth and made me feel like perhaps this is also because of like social norms. It made me feel like that because I'm the dude, I have to put in more work. And because I'm, you know, I felt like I was an unattractive dude that I had to be, I had to be funny. I had to be, I had to use psychological trickery to get someone to be interested in me. And, um, that's, that's just, that's just not great. So how that translates to today is that there's a lot of things in my, my current relationship that I've had to unlearn about my past because she shows me affection in an honest way that I have not felt like I have really appreciated or have been able to, um, experience in my life. Like I haven't felt the need or desire or the want to manipulate in any kind of way in my current relationship. And that was largely because it reached ahead in, at the end of my marriage. And there was a lot of challenges with, I had a lot of unfortunate challenges in my marriage with like extramarital emotional situations. And there was one emotional situation in particular that ended in this really strange breakup heartbreak situation while I was married. And that was really weird to go through. Uh, it made me think a lot more about my marriage itself and made me think a lot about my continuing, you know, pervasive desire to seek out more attention from more people. And maybe it was, you know, eventually getting to a situation to the, to the, the number or the quantity of attention that made me finally feel like I was worthy of love, uh, from other sources, from people who would actually genuinely like me. But at, at a point it basically, uh, sent me into this place where like I needed to stop myself. You know, I needed to put the kibosh on this behavior and basically press it down and start to crystallize and create that process of making sure that if this sort of thing does happen again, that it's not about me just behaving on a whim or acting on impulse or doing it so that I can feel a high from it, whether that's risk taking or manipulating, but that if there is a person that shows up in my life that grabs my attention and fits that ideal picture or that feeling that I've been sort of wanting and looking for and have not yet experienced that I could allow that to happen honestly, instead of feeling like I need to mold it and manipulate it. And that's basically when Molly came into the picture and we were able to honestly assess where we were. And I think that's had a major positive impact on our, the breadth and positivity of our wonderful relationship. All right. Welcome back. Um, so again, I appreciate your patience with me listening and, and, and while listening to the show, 
and I work through it slowly. Emotion's a little harder for me to pull from. Uh, so it's not me just like spouting a bunch of information at you, which is great. I'm trying my best to just be a little bit more generally expressive than instead of just like explaining my emotions and sort of expressing how I feel or how I felt and things like that. So I think all of this, the, the highlighting of the manipulation side of me, which like was really interesting because like I never really, I, I haven't thought about it as a pattern I need to analyze in my life until recently that it, you know, it came up as part of something else. It's not that there was manipulation in our relationship so much as there was something that brought that up in me, that there was a part of me that's attached to that, that isn't allowing myself to open up fully to the breadth of our relationship that, um, you know, as her and I continue to grow, her growing forces me to grow in different ways and vice versa. If I'm growing in a certain way, it sort of forces her to think about or feel out certain things and, and, you know, consider different things. Like that's sort of the, the power and the challenge of being in a relationship in which you're kind of pushing each other to grow all the time. Uh, so we, we've had that, um, that challenge recently. And just last night we were sort of reminiscing about certain, uh, conversations that we had around, um, other topics that she had kind of worked through and um, things that we're researching around sexuality and, um, you know, improving other aspects of our relationship. Not that anything's wrong so much as we're always trying to, to, to grow and evolve. So at its essence, at its core, it's just brought up this, this part of me, this side of me that has been suppressed that has brought into question how much, I'm challenging myself and brought up into question, um, you know, really the idea that like, no matter how much ego work you do, there's something else there (laughs) and something comes up and it grasps at you and messes with you. And I don't think it's good to have anything crystallized in your heart. Honestly, I think it's a challenge to, to kind of peck at it, right? It's kind of like a scab. And once you start picking at the scab, it like, it hurts, but like, it'll eventually heal. Uh, once, once it's like all the crud is removed. Um, and it's kind of what feels like the same idea, right? Like the, while it's exposed, it's more fragile when it's exposed. It's kind of like the, the, the agility of it, the stamina, the, ability for these concepts to these ideas within you to, to kind of move freely and adapt and adjust allows for, uh, for better things in life. You know, there's this story that I think about in regards to the Voyager mission, uh, from NASA that, uh, there's a documentary about the Voyager mission, which is great. Um, and going into interstellar space and all that stuff about the people in 19, 1977, I believe it was 77 that, um, launched the, the probes initially and that when they were writing the code for it to leave orbit, cause leaving orbit is the hardest part that they realized as the orbit, as the probe was leaving the atmosphere or trying to leave the atmosphere, that everything was being, was, was too rigid. Like the, the, Everything in the code that told all of the functions to behave a certain way told all of the functions to stay rigid so that with the assumption 
that being rigid would allow for the best success to leave the atmosphere. And the solution when things started to break up and things were not working was to rewrite some of the code in real time to allow for some of these parts to flex and flow a little bit more so that it can adapt to the dangers and challenges of the atmosphere, the natural challenges of the atmosphere of ebbing and flowing in and out of what was happening to it. Because if you try to hold up, you try to crystallize, you're more likely to be broken by the elements. And I feel like that general metaphor has been really revealing for me. And it's been a really great way to express that general idea of being more flexible um, in the right situations. And for me, you know, it's a, it's a continuing growth path for me to continue to be flexible and to assess the things in which I am rigid in and really allow myself to be open to being wrong about them and being open to new possibilities and open to understanding that I can't predict the future. I can't predict how I'll feel. I can't predict how anyone else will feel uh, in any given situation that the only answer is to continue to experience it. And that includes feeling the way that you feel and talking through what you need to talk through, especially if you're an INTP listening, I've needed to be aware of how much I need to express my thoughts out loud to my partner who's willing to hold space. And that's why I do this on this podcast, because I'm hoping and I'm assuming that your person listening to this podcast can also hold space for all of these mid-process thoughts, right? It's like, I think there's a lot of fear out there generally of sharing mid-process thoughts because of cancel culture. And, you know, you say one thing wrong and like everything's over. Um, Whereas I feel like my mistakes in my past are what made me who I am today. And my mistakes that I've made so rapidly in my life and in relationships have allowed me for the opportunity to have the most amazing relationship that I've had. Whereas in other relationships, you know, some people will sort of introduce some of those ideas slowly and it sort of pecks away at people over time as opposed to having to deal with a lot of things quickly. (laughs) Like I, I basically, um, you know, created and, It's not to say that anyone in my life that has had experiences with me had bad experiences uh, so much as these are things and patterns in my life that I've needed to assess. And I'm trying to figure out how it's possible to decrystallize the sort of manipulative, a little bit risky um, side of me and bring that into like a more playful, connective way with my partner and other aspects of my life that again, like pushing things down never really helps. It's about conversion. It's about thinking about how we can and and convert this sort of bad behavior, quote unquote, into something useful. And I think that's something I try to think about when it comes to depression or when it comes to any kind of mental challenge or um, anything else in regards to things that we tend to suppress is the idea of, of we are trying so hard most of the time to have this, this like tension, 
this tense up of defensive energy of, of blocking ourselves against what is happening and creating villains out of something that aren't inherently that, you know, depression is not sadness, right? Depression is a low energy state. It's a low mental state. It's uh, brain firings, not working certain ways. And it's not something that is out to hurt you so much as it's just part of your biology, or perhaps there was something in your life that created it um, through persistence in your, your growth path, uh, traumas, challenges, etc. And typically one of the best ways to heal, and I mean heal in a holistic sense, not necessarily in like a medication sense, uh, not saying one's a replacement for the other, but healing in a day-to-day sense is more about welcoming the shadow part of you into your world whether that is through depression, or maybe you were a manipulator like I was, or you had unhealthy perceptions of relationships, or uh, you are taking advantage of people, or maybe you've done things that are bad. Maybe you've landed in jail. Maybe you've had situations that have just not gone well. And you've been told that in order to get better, you need to repress it. You need to get with God or something like that, right? And that I don't feel like that's ever the answer. I'm not saying God or religion isn't the answer, but I'm saying repression is not the answer. Repression tends to lead to more mental challenges. And generally I feel like the idea is to welcome the challenge in, welcome your shadow into the door, have them take a seat, offer them some tea and some crackers and talk with them, figure out how you can integrate Because as long as the shadow is out there, if the shadow is outside your door, it's going to creep in because it's like attracted to you. It's a part of you. It's who you are. And I use the shadow loosely. Like I don't even like talking about perceptions of good and evil or anything like that. It's not about evil. Your shadow is not evil. Your shadow is not a force of external evil. The shadow side of you means these other aspects of you that are less um, elegant that are not as natural for you that you've had to maybe use different tools to utilize some of these instincts, uh, to, to achieve some of these instinctual needs that you have, that your shadow is, is, is asking of you. And the idea is again, not to deny the shadow side of you, what it needs but to figure out what it needs and how you can meet those needs because the shadow can just be another thing. That's another part of your power that you can allow yourself to work with and to be a part of your life. You know, if you're, if your shadow side, it's kind of like the same thing as like, if, if you hire an employee and it turns out, or you have a kid that it turns out that they have a particular talent for stealing things and if they tend to steal a lot of things that there's talents there, like there's a talent for being sneaky. There's a talent for maybe manipulating the situation or being a social chameleon or identifying what's valuable or, you know, uh, maybe there's like agility there. I don't know <laughs> what the, what it is. Um, but there are actual positive skills that can be attained from negative or quote unquote negative social negative or bad behavior. And I think one of the 
Uh, a good example of that is there is that show. It takes a thief. It came out like maybe over 15 years ago. Uh, that was like my favorite show for a long time because I love the idea of ex burglars teaching people how to secure their homes and teach people the ways of burglary. Like that, that it's people are, you know, most people don't know that most burglars would rather go break into your home during the day while you're at work. And I think there's a perception that they're going to do it. They're going to break in at night and they're going to harm your family when really it's going to happen during the day when they don't have to deal with any conflict, you know, or if you have a dog, there's like a greater, um, an even greater chance that, that, uh, someone will not break into your house, uh, stuff like that. You just learn things from the talents that these people have developed through, you know, this bad behavior. And I think it's like the same thing that we can do with ourselves is pay attention to the things that we've done. Look at the patterns of our bad, bad behavior and how can we convert that into something that is useful? And I think in my case, a lot of my risk taking and manipulation was around sexual things. And I can translate some of that energy into, you know, what my partner wants from me in the evolution of our relationship. And like, we can make, keep things interesting or, um, you know, better respond to each other or, um, just talk about, you know, a, a wider range of things because there's just more that we're being honest about, right? There are sides of her that she's working through as well, that we're trying to integrate a little bit more naturally into, you know, who we are, uh, who she is, and then, you know, figure out how that translates into our relationship as who we are. So really sort of the point of this episode is that is sharing the notion that there are difficult challenges that we may have to face within ourselves, like a moral perception of who we used to be. And I'm not proud of who I was. And I don't regret who I was. I, I don't really do the regret thing. That's not my, that's not my deal. Um, I just see every situation in our lives as an opportunity to learn and grow. And I don't even want to say be better people because it's not about good or bad, right? It's about integration and flowing with what is. It's about connecting to some of the challenges that we face and some of the shadow sides of ourselves that are less elegant, that are kind of calling our attention. Um, and now me understanding more about myself in relation to ADHD and wanting a feedback loop and hit, like I understand that feeling now. I understand why I felt that addictive feeling and that rush and that risk. Um, also, I was developing my extroverted intuition as an INTP. So that risk-taking factor of me was amplified by that uh, desire to explore and try new things. And, um, there was also sides of me that like growing up, I was not very nurtured in the sense of masculinity very much. Um, my dad's a feeler guy. He's a, he's a good man, but, uh, he just wasn't, he's not particularly, um, overtly masculine in, in that sense, which is like not, uh, not a, not a detriment to him. I think he taught me a lot of really, really great things about being a nurturing man. But there was a lot of emotional stuff that wasn't really helpful for my growth either. Um, and 
there was basically the the sexual subtype part of me also the idealism side the fact that i was like looking for the quote unquote perfect person while also growing and not properly judging myself i was judging other people for the way that they were without judging myself for who i am and i think at the end of the day the one thing that i really really failed at that um I'm becoming better at is the idea that in my mind, I'm very self-critical. That's like the persistent part of my, myself. I'm an INTP. I'm an introverted thinker. I'm a don, dominant judging type, but I'm judging in my mind, not judgmental, but I mean, I make decisions all the time and I make decisions sometimes about how other people might behave or feel or think. And that's not for me to decide that I have to put myself out there to get actual feedback, to get actual information from other people. So if I'm feeling insecure, I need to speak to Molly about it, which I have been, and it's been really great for our relationship to express what I'm feeling and get the actual genuine, honest feedback about it. Like if I'm not feeling great about myself physically, you know, and she can give me the genuine feedback as to like whether or not, yeah, like, yeah, you're looking a little frumpy today. or something. I don't know. She wouldn't be like mean like that, but, um, it's not really in her to do that. But, um, you know, something to that effect, she would, she would be honest, but sweet about it. And I can make the adjustment, but I get the actual external feedback and it's not just me applying judgment to myself and then assuming that same judgment exists in other people. And, That's just not for me to decide. I can make judgments about what I think and what I feel, but for me to make judgments about what other people feel and think, I need to ask them. I need to talk about them. And that was the challenge I had growing up is that I had a lot of unhealthy perceptions of women. I put them on a pedestal and um, also felt like I was capable of manipulating them at the same time. And that was the only way that I could get attraction from a beautiful, thoughtful, wonderful woman was by being a manipulator. And I did that for years and years, basically at least a decade. And when a situation wouldn't work out, I was not very elegant at leaving the situation. So I ended up cheating and playing around and risk taking and all of that stuff. And not proud of that, but I learned a lot from that situation from those situations going into my, my past and, um, really looking for the pattern there. And I think that is a long string of my own personal internal code that I'm actively working on and integrating and finding better ways to reconcile with those feelings that I'm experiencing. So this episode has been an expression of the stuff that I'm actively working on right now. This is like what is on my mind. This is what is in my spirit, I guess you could say. Um, I had other episodes that I was going to do, but like I was looking at my list and Molly was with me and she was like, oh, confessions of a mess, a chronic manipulator. That sounds interesting. (laughs) So I was like, "Okay, you're right. I should probably do that. So that's it. Those, Those are basically my confessions of being a chronic manipulator. And I say chronic because it was like addictive. It felt like a uncontrollable urge. Um, and much like anyone who feels like they have an uncontrollable urge, someone that is like a alcohol abuser or a druggie of some kind, that usually the answer feels like it should be about cold turkey, hard stop. 
And I think the answer is more about integration and figuring out what you were trying to get out of that experience and then figuring out how you can fill that void with something that gives you the feeling you were after without hurting someone or hurting yourself in the process. So that's it for today's episode. I should probably throw in like another like sound clip here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that in the future. I don't have enough time right now to do that, but I'll do a, like a end of episode and then break it up and then do like a end of episode ramble. That'll be great. So I thank you guys for listening to the show. I really appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this and have patience for this. This is very vulnerable for me. So you're welcome to ask me questions. Please, please, please do not pass judgment without asking me questions. <laughs> if you're not sure of, you know, what's going on or my thought process or you have other whatever, um, just let me know. And like, it's fine. We can talk about it. Um, and I'm, I'm working through stuff. So this is all mid process. So thank you for being here. Uh, if you have any questions, if you are, you've had your own similar story or there are like shadow parts of yourself that you feel like you are working on. I feel like uh, that's a good opportunity to leave a voice message and call into the show. There's a link in the description for the show. You just tap that, you sign into Anchor, and then you can leave a voice message right on your phone uh, asking a question. I can put it on the air and we can answer the question live. Or you can just let me know if you don't want it on the air. And I'm happy to make it a topic of the episode or just answer, ask a question. So that would be really amazing. So... Um, that's it. If you want to hit me up at let's go C notes on all the social channel, social channels, feel free to do so. And, uh, go to dopamine.life to check out our free Myers-Briggs audio tour. And we've got, uh, articles and other things. And I just started writing my INTP book. So if you are looking for that, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash dopamine TV and subscribe there where I do a lot of INTP specific videos. And then you can figure out how to sign up for, INTP stuff there. Bit.ly slash cosmic calibration is how you would sign up for updates on the book and things like that. So um, that's pretty much it. I hope you guys take care of yourselves and each other. Listen to who you are. Listen to your emotions. Don't just intellectualize them. Be willing to talk to the people you need to talk to. If you're generalizing, if you're doing the okay boomer thing, then talk to the person you need to talk to. Stop generalizing. I love you guys. <laughs> Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.